This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Junior Doan's A Spark. I'm Junior Doan and thank you for joining us. My guest today is Matt Travis, Chief Operating Officer of the Midland Center for the Arts in Midland, Michigan. Welcome, Matt. So tell us about the Midland Center for the Arts. I, I know it well, but not everybody does. Sure, Junior. Uh, great to see you. So uh, I work here at Midland Center for the Arts, um, located in Midland, Michigan, which is a couple hours north of Detroit. Um, it is uh, an incredibly expansive place. It uh, has an art museum, a uh, science museum, which we're currently renovating. Uh, it also has two large performance spaces, one uh, 400 seat, uh, one 1500 seat. It houses a professional symphony orchestra, a historical society, community theater, community choirs, and we have numerous uh, professional touring acts ranging from Broadway tours to comedians to authors that come to us throughout the year. So it's really a wonderful resources to the people uh, here in the Great Lakes Bay region of Michigan. Now, the center was affected by the flood and took it as an opportunity to change uh, physically in some way. Could you tell us about that, the repair and the concept? Sure, yeah, we're amidst uh, a truly transformative, um, roughly $48 million capital project um, where we will be essentially having a uh, state-of-the-art um, hands-on science museum uh, and also art museum. It will include uh, an archival area for our historical collections and will truly be, uh, our intention is to be one of the leaders in the state uh, in terms of this museum concept. So we're delighted to bring that to our community as well. Does any of this uh, uh, upgrade allow you to do whatever presents itself in the future uh, I have no idea, but like with streaming this, receiving that, um, can you build in or is that done later when you feel a need? I think one thing we're great at doing at the center is being flexible and uh, adjusting and rolling with punches and, and moving with the times. You know, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we didn't have performances in our hall for well over a year. Um, and during that time, we were able to create and produce streaming events. Um, we had a full season of five symphony orchestra concerts 
here, uh, where the symphony was on stage, uh, they were fully masked, you know, with, with appropriate social distancing. Uh, we didn't have any patrons in the hall, uh, but we streamed that uh, to hundreds of hundreds of uh, audience members uh, who watched in their homes. And it was great. I got a chance to live chat the performance. I was telling them about the music that they were hearing. And while that doesn't directly uh, address your question, it speaks to our adaptability because that's something that we had never done before. And so while uh, we are, we will be seeking uh, requests for proposals for exhibit design for our museum uh, here at the end of the summer, um, inevitably that will absolutely be, be a part of it. Uh, we'll be working with professionals uh, who design worldwide uh, and who will make sure that we're designing something that will be relevant today, but will also be relevant tomorrow and in the future and we can uh, continue to adapt and be flexible uh, during those times. Not including the orchestra, how many people work at the center? Uh, I think we have roughly 50 full-time employees and then another 50 part-time employees. We're kind of between 90 and 100 total. Um, you know, those part-time employees range from, you know, right now we have, it, it's summer, it's June right now when we're recording, and uh, we have dozens of uh, summer camp staff uh, that are working on that. We have numerous bartenders, uh, F&B staff, servers. Um, so there's lots of folks that work here in various capacities, ranging from um, president and CEO uh, straight down through uh, our, our great part-time uh, staff that may only work here a few hours a month. Now, this is a recent promotion for you. How does this uh, compare to your prior job? What's the add-on and what do you have to learn? Hmm. That's quite a question, Junior. Um, <laughs> so my, my background is primarily in classical music. Um, I actually began performing here at the Center for the Arts uh, when I was seven or eight years old. Uh, I did my first show at the Center, very first experience on the stage, and it was truly transformative. I participated in numerous youth theater programs. So the importance and power of this building um, has helped shape my life and helped shape my career. Um, you know, the first portion of my career, Junior, as you alluded to earlier, uh, I, I studied voice uh, at the University of Michigan uh, and then kind of went down a path towards conducting. Uh, choral music was always a, a deep passion of mine, so I pursued graduate degrees in choral conducting. Uh, and then after finishing my uh, doctorate in conducting, uh, I came back to the center to serve as the music director. I was conducting the community choirs, uh, conducting the uh, community theater musicals as well, which was a great joy. You know, I love Brahms, uh, but I love Sondheim and I love Rodgers and Hammerstein and I love Beethoven and I love Mahler. Uh, so it was a great way to kind of dabble in all of those spheres. About one year into the position, um, as I kind of look ahead and think, uh, my daughter was born. Um, and that, you know, was a truly wonderful experience, as you can imagine. But in the previous position, uh, I was at all the community theater rehearsals, which take place in the evening. I was at all the choral rehearsals, which also take place in the evening. Um, and I knew that it would take a significant amount of time away from my wife and, and my daughter, B, who's five now. So uh, I saw a position uh, of leadership with the Midland Symphony Orchestra administration open up. And I knew that that would cause a significant decrease in the number of rehearsal evenings. Um, so I kind of strategically pursued that. Um, and it worked out well for myself. It worked out well for the orchestra, I hope. Um, and then since then, you know, just a myriad of, of kind of fortuitous opportunities have, have happened. Uh, 
expanding my role and giving me a chance to serve the community and the organization that I love um, most dearly. You know, specifically what you're alluding to is uh, in April of 2023, I was promoted and named the chief operating officer of the center, um, which is something I'm just elated to take on. It's a vastly different opportunity, but one that I'm excited about. And in this capacity, uh, I will oversee the marketing and programming departments, um, which have full-time vice presidents that, that oversee those areas. Um, I'll also oversee facilities and tech, uh, which have senior ranking directors um, in charge of those department areas. And I will also oversee uh, IT, which is a small but mighty department of one, uh, but ever critical uh, in this 21st century age that we're in. So it's a new opportunity. Um, it gives me a wonderful chance to grow. Uh, as you alluded to, I have extensive background in programming in music, uh, in theater. My sister's a Broadway performer. We've done a ton of shows uh, as kids and as, as young adults. Um, and I'm also kind of a, a connoisseur, I guess I would say, you know, try to make it to New York to see several shows each season. Something that's very important to me, you know, we're, my daughter and I are subscribers to the Detroit Symphony, so we check those things out. It's important to remain active uh, and, and experience those events. Um, but yet uh, areas such as tech, uh, and uh, I collaborate with our, our, our tech services team quite regularly in the production of, of performances, which I'm a part of as a producer, um, but certainly facilities. I'm learning a ton in that area. I've uh, had more conversations about HVAC systems and boilers and fire alarms uh, in the last couple of months <laughs> than I have in, at any point in my life. So, uh, you know, Junie, I think we're very similar in that um, doing hard things is fun. And learning about new areas is is, is yeah. fun. Something that I know that you're passionate about, and I'm passionate about it too. And so I look at this as an opportunity to uh, to tackle both of those things at once. Um, yes, what a good attitude, and we should all have it. Uh, it makes life uh, more interesting. Actually, uh, the the thing I was really concerned about, not concerned, is but you ha you're also becoming a manager of not only different slices of the center, but way more people. And mm -hmm. how do you develop a philosophy or you know, a way where everybody's different and everybody wants a little something different? How do you persuade them to your point of view? If you're curious about others, uh, and if you demonstrate empathy and kindness, um, I really think that anything is possible. I mean, yeah, there's there's more massaging and there's more intricacies than that, but I think at a fundamental level, those are kind of the two or three things that are at the heart of everything that I do. Um, you know, I think ultimately, when you approach any conversation or any relationship, um, there's a positive compromise to be had with anyone involved, whether someone's coming in and is absolutely furious about whatever, um, you name it. I, I, I do think that in the end, it may take a couple of sessions or a couple of conversations, um, but there's a win to be had for everyone involved. And it's making sure that you understand your staff, making sure that you understand your team and knowing um, what strategies, what language, uh, what type of emotion might help uh, might help you reach that kind of mutual accord um, is, is kind of where my philosophy lies. Very nuanced. Thank you. Yeah, uh, because it's personalized to the, to the person as well as the institution. So good for you. Um, did having your daughter change your perception of life professionally? Besides night 
um, being no longer desirable night work. Uh, I find yeah, giving birth changes your connection with the world, but was it that way for you or not? First of all, the, the responsibility for the care of another human being, um, you know, well, we certainly care for our friends and we care for our family members. It's obviously a very different relationship when you, you're literally responsible for, uh, for another person's life. Um, and that bond and that connection um, is something that, you know, as you certainly know, um, I don't know that there's anything in life that kind of replicates that. But I, I think a lot about um, what women go through uh, in this country. And I know that that's perplexed and, and, and perplexing and complicated. But I think about it a little bit differently now that uh, I have a five-year-old little girl. You know, what does it mean for her to be in that room? What does it mean for her to be in that space? Um, you know, what do equitable opportunities look like for her in the future? And, you know, making sure that she sees um, successful, smart women, you know, like you, Junia, and, and so many folks uh, in our community and in our area, just a reminder, you know, what is possible uh, being a being a woman in the, the you know, young woman in, in 2023. And I guess for her, you know, by the time she's 18, it'll be 2026 or 2036 or um, whatever that is, how that's constantly evolving and how can I uh, help her see what is possible and support her uh, on that path towards independence. She is so lucky to have you as a father, a concerned father. Um, she's lucky. She's got a great mom, too. She's got a great mom, too. So, uh, no, I. Yes, I, 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 yes but um, dads sometimes aren't that way or not encouraged, but concern always <laughs> is yeah. a plus, always is a plus. So what was the center? Do you know why the center was established or who it was established for? Sure. I mean, I know it, it was deeply important to our community. I know it's um, 50 years old. and I know it was designed to be a space for our community to celebrate creation, to come, uh, not creation in the Genesis sense, but creating art, creating uh, reliving history, uh, celebrating um, all that is our community. Well, yes and more, because there was a very active uh, series of groups who did sure. <laughs> symphony and performances and art showings and things like that. And Aldendow, a, a member of the family, was an architect, and they went to him to design and help build what you have today. And it was difficult getting all the center. I wasn't here. I came later, just when they were opening sure. the center, to, to participate, which takes me to the role of the volunteer now at the center, because it has changed since those early days. How do you yeah. see the role of the volunteer? What kind of volunteers are you interested in? Sure. I think ultimately the people in this community are, are in the fabric of, of, of everything that we do. Um, you know, at the center, without our volunteers, the organization would not function. Um, you know, we still have a, a great five season community theater um, season that's, that's really wonderful. You know, each show featuring kind of 20 to 50 community artists uh, and those opportunities ranging from being on the stage, uh, designing lights, stage managing, working the crew. 
uh, we really have a great, great group of passionate folks in that area specifically. You know, as, as we speak right now, um, we've got a wonderful outdoor stage uh, that will feature about 20 young people um, performing and working with a Broadway creative team. Uh, folks from New York City with Broadway credits uh, as director, choreographer, music director, stage manager. Um, so it's a great opportunity for members of our community to integrate with professionals uh, who will help elevate their skills, but also be important network uh, opportunities. We've got great folks that work in our studio school, uh, wonderful artists um, teaching and improving the quality of art um, for, for those interested in, in taking classes. Our historical society is, is very vibrant and very active in celebrating and preserving um, the tradition uh, that is ever uh, inherent in, in what we do here in, in Midland and beyond. Um, so I really think, you know, there's an incredible breadth of opportunities and ways for, for our patrons uh, to be involved as volunteers. And, and, and we remain um, truly reliant on, on that support and on that uh, engagement. Um. Without committing, where would you like the center to be in five years? <laughs> I think, so knowing where we are, uh, you know, we're expecting uh, the renovation to the building, the capital project to be complete in, in uh, sometime in 2025. I think that that is going to be what propels us into the future. It's going to help us serve our region differently. Um, and it's going to help us reach folks beyond, you know, how wonderful would it be if um, people were taking field trips here, if we were engaging students more regularly um, from beyond, from this region and, and beyond. And then also uh, using it as a tool for awareness of the other great opportunities that we have here at the center. You know, if we anticipate, you know, 50 to 100,000 new people coming into the building as a result of this museum, how wonderful would it be if they attended a, a Matrix event or a Broadway show or a um, performance of the Symphony Orchestra, community theater, uh, community choir, uh, you know, of course, which I mentioned earlier. You know, how terrific would it be if when people are driving from Detroit to Traverse City or Detroit to Mackinac or the Upper Peninsula, if they're saying, hey, we have to stop in Midland because we want to go to uh, eat at Cafe Zinc, and um, we want to visit all the wonderful places downtown, and we want to go to the Center for the Arts because we're going to check out the museum in the afternoon, and then they've got a great concert that night, and then we're going to stay uh, stay over at the H Hotel or stay at the Holiday Inn or, or wherever, and, and we're going to spend the night in Midland, and then we're going to then we're going to go uh, on the rest of our trip and head up north. So I think that that's that's kind of the aspiration, um, and in working and making, uh, it's called kind of placemaking, which quite literally is what it sounds like it is, making Midland uh, a place uh, and engaging community business partners uh, as well to be a part of that is, is certainly something that we hope to continue to do. Just an idea. <clears throat> I view the center as a resource for people north who may live in small towns and not have any opportunities mm -hmm. um, to gain experience or participation of, of some nature because where else can they really go during the school year that has the resources and the excellence that the center has? And I know right now that's not on the schedule. You've got a whole other list of things, but uh, 
a helping hand is always a good hand. So we'll see. Uh, now, your sister is, is involved with New York theater, right? Yeah, and I, I appreciate that point and, and certainly engaging. You know, we have a wonderful couple uh, that come in from Augre for the, the symphony orchestra concerts. Um, we've had some schools come in from the thumb. But yeah, thinking about our rural communities, um, we have a group. One of our most frequent attendees comes from West Branch. Um, so thinking about the rural communities as well and, and how do we serve and reach them is, is an important strategy. But yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking about my sister. Uh, one of my best buds on the planet. I was recently the... Uh, the, uh, I called myself the matron of honor, but the uh, matron of honor uh, in her wedding, she was just married. Um, and yeah, she was, uh, you know, most significantly known as Christine on the national tour of Phantom of the Opera. So in the maybe, uh, I think 2014 to 2017-ish, my dates might be a little bit hazy, but she did three years on the tour. So if you saw Phantom during that window, uh, it, it visited the Detroit Opera House and... Um, DeVos and Grand Rapids and Wharton Center, obviously among other venues across the country. But if you saw any of those Michigan sites, uh, you would have seen her uh, as Christine. And uh, later she was in the Broadway company of Phantom, um, you know, uh, is a, a prolific teacher. Um, she teaches voice now uh, at um, several universities. She's taught at Montclair State, uh, Penn State, and uh, she just got a new appointment that I don't think I can talk about yet, but uh, that will be really exciting, really exciting for her. Um, this fall. So she's, uh, she's terrific. Um, and she was just married to her husband, David, who is also a uh, member of the Broadway community. He's a director and has been a resident uh, and associate director in numerous shows, including uh, Beautiful and um, School of Rock, and most recently Moulin Rouge, uh, was also in, involved in networks. Uh, one of his jobs was to give Brian Cranston notes uh, after performances, which sounds uh, quite daunting to me, but that's, uh, you know, that's what he does. So he's a wonderful guy, too. Good to start there. So yeah. are your parents very um, performance-oriented or musically-oriented? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, my father loved to sing in church and, and has a very good voice, um, but wasn't really actively involved in, in choir or music formally in school. Uh, he went to a smaller Catholic school in Bay City. Um, my mom was actively involved in band um, all throughout school, you know, certainly avocationally, but she still loves to play. She participates in a myriad of kind of ukulele groups and sing-along things, but it, it was fascinating. As a child, um, I was a boy soprano and, you know, I was Oliver here at the center and, and you know, did some, some solo work with the regional symphonies, but the standard line is uh, I would learn the music. If it was in Latin, my father, who was a, an altar boy, would teach me the how to pronounce the text, and then my mom would play the notes on the flute, uh, and that's how that's how we would learn it. So it was kind of a, a, a tag team deal. Um, and there's still my mom in particular, super active um, in the, the the practicing portion. You know, my sister, whenever she gets a new role or wherever she's going to audition for something, they send out what's called sides, which are the things that they'd like you to prepare in the for the audition. And oftentimes it's a scene with one or two people. And uh, she will uh, she will send my mom a text message with the, the scene and they'll, they'll do lines together because that's just a tradition that they've had ever since she was a little kid. So even now, my sister's in her mid thirties, she still runs lines uh, with my mom all those years later. What a family. Huh? Yeah, what a mom. It, it, 
Yeah, it's wonderful. It's and you know, I, there. No, um, I appreciate it. And it's interesting, Junior, because in, in one of our, our coffees, you asked me, I, I credited my parents with being critical influences. And um, you had asked me what I learned from them. And it was interesting because I always say those words, but I hadn't really thought about it. And so I always appreciate you um, getting me to think a little bit differently or, uh, you know, to, I guess, support statements. <laughs> Well, appreciate that, but you know, it's my curious side, you know? Sure. I mean, life is so interesting and it's so complex and it's so joyful and it has so many challenges that uh, um, I always like to see where the strands go or hear about the guess of where the strands go to create things because um, it's just the way it is. It's more nuance than one sentence or two will kind of give just the running lines i mean what devotion what joy what common interest uh, very impressive very impressive so now that your family is so in the world of performance and music what is your approach for your daughter or teaching her what age would you start and what would you do You know, this is a great question, and uh, I, I'm still kind of figuring that out. You know, she's five right now. Um, right now, we do a lot of singing of Taylor Swift and uh, whatever else she likes in the car. Um, you know, we have a lot of instruments in our house uh, and just kind of giving the opportunity to explore. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is that my wife, uh, I, I, I'm a, a sports fan, um, not particularly good at any sport. My wife, conversely, um, was a very good college soccer player. And um, so I actually see B kind of naturally, B is my daughter, naturally gravitating towards um, the more athletic side of things, which is great. You know, I'm just, uh, I think my hope is that she finds something that she's passionate about and we can continue to give her opportunities to explore and figure out what that thing might be. Uh, but once she kind of finds it, uh, we're going to, we're going to support her. We'll be all in to, to figure out, uh, you know, whatever training or experiences she needs to, to feel fulfilled, um, in that regard. So I, I'm still figuring out what that means musically. I mean, fortunately in my work here at the center, it's remarkably easy to, uh, give her a artistically filled life. You know, I'm constantly bringing her to events. I, you know, I brought her to, performances ranging from I, I quite literally I if I'm going to a performance I'll bring her uh, and it really doesn't matter I don't think I brought her to some super adult oriented things but I, I definitely push the the envelope if it's an issue if it's highly inappropriate I won't bring her but if it's an issue of comprehension or something that I think she may not understand I'll bring her and then we'll talk about it afterwards and that ranges from you know uh, straight plays Good little women you. I need to wrap this up Matt uh, yep. One of the, the reasons I like your being a father and an attentive one, it will give you ideas for programming at the center uh, because you'll have real exposure to that age group, so, you, so to speak, or that part of the population. Thank you for appearing. I love that you take on new things with joy, energy, and commitment. Be healthy, be wise, love people, great idea, and I'll see you next week, everybody else. To contact Junia, send her an email at juniadonesthespark 
at gmail.com. For more information, program schedules, and news about future guests, go to www.juniadonethespark.com. Thank you for joining us. See you next time on Junia Dones the Spark. Local productions seen on Delta College Public Media are made possible with support from viewers like you. Thank you. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.